what does it mean to be a creative entrepreneur? Like, what does that mean to you? All jokes aside, it means resiliency. Mm-hmm. It means tenacity. It means consistency. It means structure. It means discipline. Yo, 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 yo. What's up, coworkers? Welcome back to another episode of the We Outside After Work podcast. I am your host, Dana. I'm your boy, Aaron. And we got a special guest in the building. We got B, the golden child, in the building. Uh, she is a creative consultant. Uh, she is a poet. She is just a, a bomb-ass black businesswoman. You know, so we just want to give a huge shout-out to a fellow Kane alumni. You know, shout-out to all the cougars in the building. You know? Yeah. Thank you for joining us tonight. We are excited to have this conversation with you and get to know you better. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for being here. Guys, I just want to tell our co-workers that we are remote all of August. If you did not listen to the last episode, just because we wanted to take a break from the studio. And I feel like this is more personable. Mm -hmm. And I was was talking to to B a little earlier about you know cost of the studios and stuff like that and because she got our own podcast also we gonna make sure we plug that um and it's like little things like that is definitely be hurting you know them studios ain't cheap but um shout out to marvin shout out to everybody over there you know we do appreciate you um let's get started with our hot takes question so aaron are you okay with me asking the first one of course of course all right, so we're going to just go around. Um, you can go first and answer the question if you would like. The question is, how do you help your friends deal with a, a breakup? And how do you gauge your friend's heartbreak? I'm a realist. Let me just start there. I'm a realist. And most of the time, I feel like I can see the breakup coming before it actually comes. In particular, with women, we leave a relationship emotionally before we do physically anyway. So nine times out of ten, my friend is already telling me I'm over it. You know, mentally, I'm not here, whatever the case may be. And then the breakup comes. When the breakup comes, I'm just honest. You know, like, one of the things that I had to do and one of the greatest things I've ever done Um, after leaving a very long-term relationship was taking accountability for the part that I played in it. Oh, that's Dana's favorite word. Accountability. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely, first of all, accountability for the parts you play, and then also just accepting that whatever has happened has happened, and you turn that L into a lesson. So Mm. that's something I had to teach myself. So when my friends are going through it, which is not often because a fair share of my friends are either married or in very committed relationships. Um, But when it does happen, accountability except that whatever has happened has happened i'm not saying you have to immediately forgive the person that you know you're separating from but it'll do you some good so what do you what do you do when that friend that went through that breakup is dealing with you giving this awesome advice right and then they turn around and just disregard it and go right back and continue to be part of the bullshit you know we beyond that it's above me now. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> I can agree to that. I've had situations where, like you said, your friend will tell you everything going on before the actual breakup. And you're given all this great advice, like, you know, it's not worth it. Like, you need to focus on yourself. And all of those great things. But then you see them like posting pictures like everything's okay and it's all peaches and cream when deep down like you know what's going on behind the scenes so with me like i'll give my friends probably like two or three chances to just vent a little bit and then it's like okay what's the solution what's the solution yes yeah like are we gonna keep (laughs) repeating the cycle or are we gonna break that cycle and then you know just depending on depend on ourselves because that's what it really comes down to but sometimes that solution oh i'm sorry go ahead Dana. yeah so i do feel like yes you can be there to have them like vent to but for me i'll literally tell my friends i'm like all right so like are you gonna stay or like what are you gonna do here so i don't want to keep being that person that you're just pouring all of this emotional baggage onto if you're not actually doing anything to take yourself from that situation Mm -hmm. but Aaron what are your thoughts you know sometimes the solution is time and we know that and we know the best thing for us to tell a person in the moment is the right thing but they have to come to that like 
unsolicited advice, even when it's solicited, right, is what we give our friends and relationships. We know they don't really want it. We know they don't really want to hear it. This is why accountability, like I said, is so important because it's like, I'm going to tell you what's real, but it's up to you to figure out when you're going to get to the real. Most people in relationships, especially when they're not the cause for the breakup, they're trying to hold on to something because they actually don't want to break it up. But, you know, on the outside looking in, it's real easy to say, yo, this shit ain't working. Like you can feel it. Like, I feel like you can feel when things are changing and mm -hmm. you guys are starting to grow apart. But that don't mean you want to hold on. That don't mean you don't want to hold on to that, though. Right. But I think there are some people who they don't want to accept that. Like you said, it takes time. And sometimes it'll take years for them to get to a point where it's like, mm -hmm. all right, I'm ready to let go. Mm -hmm. And then it comes down to like, okay, well, you kind of, I don't want to say you wasted all this time knowing that this is the inevitable but it's like like what are we doing here like are you wasting like your time or their time so but i know who time they wasted they wasted our there's time kids involved then that's different right because i know no. both of you have children not See, for me like that's where the accountability part comes in okay um like i said in particular i was in a long-term relationship this happened to be the father of my eldest child uh seven years right wow seven years and when I decided that enough was enough after a lot of thorough thinking, because I can admit that, like you just said, you know, sometimes we hold on longer than we should. And then we finally, you know, reach our breaking point and we're like, okay, enough is enough. I'm done. I'm over it. I did that. And that's why I was able to take accountability when all of the dust settled, because I knew three years previous that the relationship should have been. Mm, you knew three years ago. Yeah, I knew three. Well, yeah, three years previous to our breakup. Previous I knew. Breakup that the relationship was pretty much over but I was holding on to it one because of my daughter two because of the amount of time invested mm -hmm. in the emotional attachment like you know those are just three heavy hitters that will keep you in a relationship longer than you should be um so when we broke up it was just kind of like a I gotta take accountability for letting it rock for this long because I knew three years ago this thing was over and it's crazy because we kind of had a conversation about this previously it takes like a acceptance of you know these are my decisions this is what i did in life and his his disregard also and now we can come to an amicable conclusion and move forward i'm on to bigger and better things you can be on to bigger better things but if you're going to seek advice please listen like don't ask me for shit if you just want me to talk because i'm gonna talk but what's the point? Like, you just want to hear me talk so you can still but do the shit anyway. I think friendships are kind of like that, right? Either if it's for, like, relationships, family drama. Sometimes, yes, you can give your advice, but people, they'll they'll come to that point for themselves. Like, they like to just talk about the issues because it is therapeutic for them in a sense. But then, like I said before, it just comes down to like, all right, how many times I'm gonna hear you complaining about the same thing? And Every goddamn day. Changing, yeah. Not Every with me. I'm not that friend. I am not the friend that you can call and keep talking the same. You know, keep yeah. talking the same rhetoric, the same issue, the same problem. Like you said, what's this? Okay, I heard you vent three times already. What's the solution? What's the next step? Agree, sis. All right. Well, all right. let's well, go our next. Oh, go ahead. You can. Hot takes question number two. Is the pressure for constant engagement taking a toll on mental health for content creators? Alright, B, I'm going to let you start. Yes. A thousand percent yes. Um, I, I can relate to this more than most people because keep in mind, I there was a point in time when I was creating my own content. And then I'm also a content creator and manager for other people. That's what that's the creative end of my business. Um, and it got to a point where I had to pick either my content or my client's content because mm -hmm. it literally began began to be very emotionally overwhelming, um, exhausting to try to keep up with the demand of social media, trying to keep up with the consistency of engagement, the trends. It was just entirely too much. So if anybody that, you know, that follows me and that has been following me for a long time, you can definitely see the mm -hmm. decline in my person, like in my personal pages, content. So, um, go, ahead. go ahead. I was just going to ask with that, what you just said. Um, 
for the decline in your content, was it because you felt like you had to put more energy into the into your client stuff rather than mm -hmm. yours? Because was it because you were getting paid, or was it just more of like, all right, this is my passion for helping other people? Like, what was the difference? So it was a mixture, honestly. Um, part of it was mental health. Uh, for me, I lived in Instagram in regards to my content, and Instagram started feeling really fake. Mm -hmm. It started feeling like smoke How and mirrors. So? Yeah, it That's started right. feeling like smoke and mirrors. It started feeling like everybody has the perfect, pristine life and everything is perfect. And I didn't want to play that game. I didn't want to play that game anymore. Mind you, I never really played it to the degree that I was creating content that wasn't authentic to my life. Um, I'm very big on intentionality. But nonetheless, I felt like I was trying to keep up nonetheless. And it was too much. I Let's had to stop. Let's get into the smoke and mirrors, like you said, of Instagram. Because one thing that I did notice was, at least for like the stuff that my algorithm shows on Instagram, there's a lot of, what is it called, like lifestyle content creators that'll pop up and like a day in the life of what they're doing and when they get up. And who are these organized people? Organized and perfect. And I'm like, first of all, I don't get up looking that perfect and like my makeup and hair is like all on point. And then second, your apartment is just like out of a magazine. So I'm like, everybody lives in a high-rise apartment with a view. Like, where y'all getting this money from? Mm -hmm. So niggas. Yeah, that's what about the men? What about the men? Because there's there are a lot of men scammers. Not just the female. gender specific. There are a lot of men who get on Instagram, on TikTok, and they front. A lot of it is a front, and it's they it's, like it's they unfortunate. Got so many women to choose from, and like they got all this advice of like what to do in relationships, and I think the relationship conversation is so oversaturated, just in a sense of like it's the same type of conversation, where it's mm -hmm. like men versus women, gender roles, and we kind of talk about that on our on our show just because like we wanted to dip our toes in it, but that's not what our show was basically mm -hmm. revolves around, but. The men who they feel like I kind of feel like they low key attack women in a sense. Mm -hmm. There's a whole manosphere. Oh, I don't want to spend my money um, if you feel like you need your bills paid. Like it's always like a financial thing that they're upset about. Mm -hmm. But protecting a provider, like that is a part of being like a man in a relationship. If you want to talk gender roles, is financial. Yeah, um, I will say from a mental perspective. It definitely takes its toll because we're battling all these like conversations that we've been having in our heads for so long and now it's public right now we're able to express ourselves and we're able to say whatever the fuck we want yeah it's so now, too public <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really too public to the point where I could say something crazy and somebody could respond with something crazy and now we're going back and forth for crazy and other people are chiming in it's not a good place to be like it's, it's really a odd ass place um and now and now me and dana we I, I don't know if you got a bunch of these um comments in your podcast but we always get the the comments like oh they put a mic in front of anybody nowadays right because we are expressing ourselves and we are giving our opinion and we are talking about the scuttlebutt all over the internet but it's like that's what people want to do yes and it's usually the negative commentators that you mm -hmm. get an influx of and it makes you wonder why like why is it hearing someone else's opinion that you don't necessarily agree with it makes you so angry like, because they don't know how to have a conversation yeah it's like the the way people disagree with other people it doesn't have to be disrespectful like you don't have to say like oh um more dumb people would have would a mic in front of mm -hmm. them and stuff like that like why can't you just disagree without disrespecting can them? i ask both y'all a quick question have y'all ever had a conversation with somebody that vehemently disagreed with y'all? And if so, how did they respond? Like, in real life, not on the internet. Because I feel like they disrespectful. Like, people don't know how to disagree. And it translates onto the internet where they're just as fucking disrespectful. It's like, we don't have to I'll get have, to I'll that. Have Beagle first. People don't know how to separate an argument from a debate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest issue. People don't know how to separate fact from opinion. Mm -hmm. And people don't know how to leave their emotions out of 
hot take conversations. Like, don't jump into the hot take conversation if you can't take the heat. That's mm-hmm. my whole number one. Don't jump into topics that you know you are not prepared to discuss. Um, most of the time, I feel like people feel inferior. And that's where, like, the toxicity and the divisiveness and the disrespect comes from. When I have arguments with well, dis- disagreements, debates, when I had debates with people in person, it's always a level of respect maintained. Mm-hmm. That's how I operate as a person, whether I agree with you or not. Like, my foundation is always going to be respect. Whether I agree with your lifestyle, I agree with your stance, I agree with your opinion. My opinion is in debate is always going to come from a place of respect. So, and I also feel like I exude that energy. Like, mm-hmm. don't try to disrespect me because it can get nasty and it can go <laughs> go there. Right. So I feel like when I'm having those don't discussions in person and they get heated, there's all I've never had to like check anybody. Like, you know, I've never had to do that. So for me, being that this is something new, where we're putting ourselves out there as podcasters and we're having opinionated conversation this is the first time in my life where like you said i'm having conversation and it's super disrespectful in the comments because in real life i don't experience that because i do give people respect even when i am disagreeing with whatever they're saying like i'm never calling you out your name because i give what i want to receive so now that i'm online and i'm just like putting like being vulnerable because that's really what it is where Mm -hmm. like you're you're showing a side of yourself that people don't normally see on a day-to-day where they're getting that those deep thoughts and like a lot of personal family stuff that you're dealing with so for me it's like it was kind of like a culture shock a little bit when what was that first episode we had aaron that went viral from the real um the with alexis yeah, so we were talking about just her experience dealing with um, going, going to school to and private school. And it's crazy because me and me and B talked about that a little bit before we started the podcast, where it's like dichotomies of growing up in the suburbs and growing mm-hmm. up in the hood and different things but like that, that. That was her personal experience. So mm-hmm. being that it was our platform and she was tagged on it and she was getting it was probably like over fifty comments and nonstop of people just like judging her in a sense and saying like oh your parents is your parents that like you're i don't want to go into detail because it was mm-hmm. it was super disrespectful and i knew that she was seeing these comments and being notified so i took it upon myself and just removed the comment section just for her mental health and mm-hmm. her um peace of mind and then we talked about it later on um, Cause initially, me and Aaron, like, we started to comment back, right? Like, we were going back and forth. You know me, I don't be giving a fuck. <laughs> but it was to a point where it was so much that we couldn't keep up with it. And I talked to her about it. I was like, "Yo, like, did it bother you?" And she was like, "At first, it didn't, because she understands that it is a public platform, like a podcast, and you're creating reels, and it's gonna be shared." But then she was like, it got to a point where she wanted to respond because they was just like being assholes. Mm-hmm. And and that's the worst part. As a friend, yeah, as a friend, I was like, yeah, no, I don't want to expose my friend who's doing me a favor coming onto my platform to mm-hmm. this nonsense. So. It's just for no reason too, and it's like they're assholes. And then part of on the flip side is like we are trying to get our our platform out there, right? Um, support and trying to garner that support is also taking its toll on mental health. Like, as my friend, as my family, as somebody that I believe in, if I'm giving you my art and you're not willing to, you know, put out for it, that should be hurting. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't That's express it. I, I think it do. I think it's starting to bother me. You know, um, because we've been doing a podcast for a year, and it's people like. They are in my circle and in my space, and they're not pushing me forward. Like something, That's something. When you like, say not, when you say not pushing you forward, in what? Um, giving me feedback or like giving me a share or giving me a words of encouragement. Like keep doing it. Like, cause I hear it. Like, I, don't get me wrong. Like, I hear it, but it's like. I feel like the people that's closest to me, I don't know if I hear it enough. And it's like, yo, that should be kind of bothering me. But at the same time, doing it with somebody like Dana, it's like, we ain't going to stop. Like, it's not going to get me to the point where it's like, 
the, the, the path is over because my best friend ain't pushing my podcast. I like, nah, it is what it is. My, my right. point of view is different only because when I did have the YouTube channel, it, I didn't have friends that were watching or sharing because I understood you did, <laughs> and I appreciate that. But I kind of knew from that point, I was like, they're not going to be watching my full YouTube episodes. Like, me mm-hmm. doing lifestyle stuff, reviews on shows or whatever. Like, they know me in real life. So, yes, they may support um, privately as far as, like, having conversations and asking me how it's going. And for me, that's enough. Like, if you're asking about it just to, like, check in, that, to me, is... Like, that's acceptable. But for me to expect you to sit there and watch my full episode... Um, for you to like take notes and stuff like I don't expect that just because they're not the per- the people that I want to have a fan base around. I don't know if I was getting millions of dollars making movies, they asked to be in the theaters. For sure, that's different. It's not different. I'm, I see what you're saying, Aaron. I, I, I honestly see what both of you are saying. You're saying, uh, Dana, you're saying I don't expect them to be tuned in because I already know that my content really isn't for them. For them. Mm-hmm. They're not my target audience, and then Aaron is saying, "Well, I bet you they'd be your, you know, your target audience if you made it and if you blew up. I bet you they would watch everything you did." Yeah, I think yeah. both things. I think both things can be true. I it, it can be true, and I feel I like a lot of people. And it kind of it goes back to like with friends too. When they see you pop off, especially people you haven't talked to in mad long, like since high school or whatever, then they want to pop up and be like, "Oh, how's everything been?" Because they see your success, but they don't see like the grind that's happening that may take years to achieve that point. But then that comes down to you and like, all right, is this person in my life because they're genuine and they? really care about me or are they in my life because they want something from me and they want to be in that circle for when I do make it listen I welcome them in if you pushing my product forward I'm cool with it I'm okay with it use me as I need to use you I'm cool with that Yeah. I feel like every new level that you hit in life is going to cause you to reevaluate your friends anyway like that's just an undeniable fact mm-hmm. um, Dana agrees I, with that I don't know <laughs> I don't hold my friends to unrealistic expectations, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't expect to be able to talk to them every day, all day. I don't expect them to drop everything when I call them if I need something. I don't expect them to buy into everything that I'm selling. Mm-hmm. But naturally, if you're my real friend, if you're my authentic friend, you're going to want to buy in whether I expect it from you or not. Mm-hmm. That's right. that's my belief. I have a girlfriend who... Um, I recently met like within a year mm-hmm. and she supported me more than friends I've known for years yes, I've I mean without question I don't even have to ask her I've never had a female friend make me feel the way that she makes me feel like my friend is a shit like mm-hmm. whatever, she, whatever she's doing I'm posting it I'm sharing it that was new for me I love that for you experiencing that from her caused me to reevaluate the friends that the were other, oh so now you started to look at your old friend group like hmm, mm-hmm. like are you guys actually you know that supportive of what I'm doing I'd, I'd say for me like I've experienced that recently with Zali Ann we recently <laughs> had her on our show and oh she, thank you Erin she writes a lot of children's <laughs> books yeah I love her <laughs> and she'll like reshare our reels she'll always comment on the reels and stuff and like she's super supportive but my other friends that I've had for a longer period of time, they're not like that. But me personally, I don't I don't hold that against the the other friends because I don't know, they've never really been that kind of friend. So why am I gonna expect it now? So are you saying like your friends are kinda like I'm seriously asking are you saying like your friends there's nothing wrong with that because I too can relate to that. I have friends that I know serve a certain purpose. A hundred percent. A different purpose. I agree, but like, like I don't separate them only because I kind of, and it goes back to we had a different conversation of like expectations from friends. So I meet them where they're at, but I'm that friend though. If you have a business and stuff, like I'm sharing regardless. Like that's just who I am as a person. But they may may not be that that um active online where they're not even posting a lot of their own stuff so I don't necessarily expect them to keep sharing my stuff more than what they're doing without sharing my stuff. Hey, just talk about me in moments of silence, right? Um, I'm going to give a 
quick shout out to Tiffany. We had her on our podcast a couple months back. And she had actually reached out to this magazine company. And she had threw my name in a hat. Now, crazy thing is, she ain't tell me about it. I ain't know nothing about it. I just so happened to check my Gmail on my poetry page. And from eight months ago, it's like, oh, Tiffany suggested that we do an interview with you. It's like, those are the type of friends that we need in our lives. People that's going to support you when you don't know they're supporting you. So, I get it. I'm not going to, like, remove a friend because they're not necessarily sharing my shit, right? Right. But at the same time, I see it. Like... I want you to I want you to recognize that I'm working hard out here. We're trying to do something with this is a dream of ours. So, you know, uh, you're a creative influencer, too. So it's like we want people to be able to, you know, push our dreams forward, not just by ourselves. And don't wait until I pop off to do that. Yes, I think it's really that's, Put it on that's the floor. key for me. That's that's really the key. Everybody has yeah. a life. Life is life and across the board right now, whether you have kids or not, mm-hmm. school or not, work or not. Life is real right now, so I think you do have to meet people where they're at. But like, mm-hmm. like, like Aaron is saying in the back of my mind, I'm taking note. I'm remembering. Yeah. I'm definitely showing up for me. <laughs> well, well, since life is life and for you, you know, since you're the golden child, we want to know more about you. We want to know uh, what does it mean to be a creative entrepreneur? Like, what does that mean to you? It means stress. Stress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. All jokes aside, it means resiliency, mm-hmm. it means tenacity, it means consistency, it means structure, it means discipline. Um, discipline. One of the things that, again, smoke and mirrors with Instagram, right? You get on Instagram, everybody's an entrepreneur, everybody's making all these sales, everybody's doing great, everybody's mm-hmm. winning, everybody's bossing up and leveling up. They don't tell you about the grind. Yeah, the grind, the failures, the loss, the time you invest, the money you invest that you don't see a return on. Like, they don't talk about those kind of things. Um, I decided, excuse me, in April of 22, 22, I got laid off and I received a severance. Um, And instead of like jumping right back into the workforce, I was like, you know, I'm going to try this entrepreneurship thing. Like, and I had tried it before, but part time, Mm -hmm. full time. Mm -hmm. You know, I was very much latch to like a nine to five and like that consistency and i don't blame anybody at this point right who's clinging on to stability in this economy but you know i took the leap and i was like you know i'm gonna get out here and i, I feel like it's time for me to stop playing around with my, my creativity you know did you know so did you know what you wanted to do as an entrepreneur because you had already a side hustle or a side business and then so i already had my skincare line bare Um, But I knew I kind of wanted to put that up on the shelf to take my creative work just a little bit more serious. And I knew I couldn't do both, you know, and I had to make a decision. So it was like, okay, Bear has to go up on the shelf for now. That's for starters. Number two, you have to take a different kind of approach and get in a beast mode with this creative stuff because I soon realized, like, you have to go find your clients you haven't established yourself yet right Mm -hmm. even though everybody knows you as like a creative and you know you have a a good eye for style and design and color like from the professional end nobody knew what i was capable of and what kind of work i did Mm -hmm. um and i learned very quickly like i had to keep my foot on my own neck so what does that look like keeping your foot on your own neck was it just constantly pushing out content It wasn't even even pushing content. That's the crazy thing. That's one of the things I did not want to rely on um, to kind of like funnel and get leads for clients because I knew that once I started getting clients, I wasn't going to be able to keep pushing out content for myself. It was going to in turn be pushing out content for them. So it looked more like putting myself out there Mm -hmm. in a way that I had never done that before. Like, I'm not going to say... I'm not an outgoing person socially. That's the best way I can put it. So I'm very outgoing in regards to like my dreams and goals and plans for life. But socially, I'm very like introverted. And I had to force myself to be social. I had to force myself to strike up conversations with people. I had to force myself to kind of do like what we would call cold calls, except it's like in people's DMs and not. Mm-hmm. I was I was doing a lot of research on who I thought my target um, 
audience would be my perfect client would be then kind of like following them engaging with them a little bit studying and doing research on their businesses and their companies creating proposals sending proposals out sometimes not getting a response at all sometimes getting a response and then getting that discovery call that consultation half of the time it would go somewhere half of the time it wouldn't once my prices were mentioned um it really is about stick Intuitiveness. Mm. That's the best way that I can put it. So, when you finally established that book of business, you know, how fulfilling was that for you? Very. Um, I can honestly say I come from corporate America, um, and as a black woman and as a black person in general, that is a very heavy space to have to navigate. And I felt like no matter how talented I was to a certain degree, I was never going to be able to use my talent the way that yeah, there's I there's wanted. There's a ceiling. There's definitely a ceiling. Yeah, I felt like I was always going to be confined. <laughs> but is it a ceiling or is it a basement? You get me? Like, because the ceiling is something that you can actually reach up to. I feel like a basement is where they want to keep us. Yep. So I would say a basement because I would say more of a basement because you have to remember, like, I went to school for journalism, right? So journalism versus creativity, they're two complete, you know, like creative work. It's kind of like two completely different routes. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was doing a lot of admin work and I felt like that's where they wanted to keep me even when I went into marketing mm-hmm. and switched over it was like we're going to start you with the admin work mm-hmm. and it was just like the busy work yeah you know the grunt work like I'm somebody's like I don't want to use slave in such a such a despondent term but it's like uh, essentially you got me doing the bullshit it's and I'm not here for the bullshit it's very restricting and nobody wants to take you serious when it's time to move on to a different company or a different mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, we see that you work for this amazing pharma marketing company, but this is the work you were putting out and this is the work you were doing. Can you show us anything substantial? I wasn't able to really create anything substantial until I was doing it on my own. Like the fulfillment part is what I take out of this, that, that value of you doing what you want to do and be passionate about what you want to do not what nobody else want to do or want to want you to do for them like this is about your life and your satisfaction and i think a lot of us don't get a chance to experience that because we are met with these glass ceilings or these basements where it's like it's nowhere else to go like we feel log jammed like i can't i can't achieve in this life because even if I want to go to the next company or get a promotion, I measure based off of your expectations of me. I don't fuck with other people's expectations. I have a direct question for B. So, what was the point where you were doing all this stuff on your own that you was like, okay, this is, this is, this like solidifies that I'm doing something that I'm supposed to do. Like this is where I want to be and like this is something that I want to continue to do and potentially like retire doing. So what so was that this, moment? It was definitely um, before I decided to actually make the business a business. Um, it was more so just like I have, you know, a client here, a client there. I do work for these people, but I wasn't really marketing it as a business. What ended up happening was... Um, a woman who would read my tarot, right? Because I'm, you know, I'm a spiritualist and I'm into astrology. Just to put it oh, are you? I didn't yeah. know that. Dana, only put you around good people. Sorry. So only know dope people. A woman who was reading my tarot, um, you know, she reached out to me one day and she was like, "I just want to, you know, kind of like I want to pick your brain, right? I want to pick your brain." Um, and that's what a short call me if you ever need any advice on content. This or that or the third, just let me know. This is just me talking to her passively. I, I had no intention on charging her because I look out for the people who I feel like look out for me. Tiffany Seventh Harmony Place for everybody um, is an amazing person. So I'm a really big believer in like pouring back into people without expecting anything in return. So long story short, we get on, you know we get on the phone and she's talking and we're talking and she's like, well, no, I kind of want you to do it and I want to pay you for it. Oh. And then that's when it clicked for me, like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. this is something, first of all, that I'm obviously good at, right? Because mm-hmm. I didn't seek her out. She sought me out. Mm-hmm. 
I'm good at it. Um, I obviously have the professional experience in it, and now I have somebody offering to pay me for it. Let me build this business. Yeah, there it mm-hmm. is, right? <laughs> That's the science from the universe. The crazy thing is, the science is, and I know you said science, but the science is relationship building, right? Mm-hmm. Establishing that rapport with individuals will take you so much farther than just. I'm good at stuff. Like, a lot of people are good at things. But do I trust you? Do I like you? Um, How do you build that trust, though? By, by showing compassion and genuine individualism. Like, that individual, Tiffany, I believe her name was, she mm-hmm. met you, and she talked to you, and she spoke to you, and she saw you on a visceral level, and that made her trust you to do business. And that's the business that you want to do because you're not going shorter. You're not going to give her no bullshit because it's like, oh, I fuck with you like you fuck with me. So here we go. This is the match made in heaven. This is what makes business easy. This is why me and Dana can do a podcast together because I I don't need nothing from Dana. Dana don't need nothing from me. This is yeah. This is this is love. You feel me? Like this is two people who actually genuinely give a fuck about each other. So yeah, it might be some times where we'd be one to ring each other out but for the most part it's like yo i adore you as a human being so we got this we'll figure it out and that's what that business sounds like from you so kudos to you for being a dope ass person it is i mean i know dope people i'm very intentional about my clients that's another thing for me um i could probably take any client right that's willing to pay me but for me if i feel like your journey does in your journey your vision your business doesn't align with the work that i do in the work that I enjoy doing, I'm going to decline you as a client. Now, I promise, it's literally one of my promises on my website. I will point you in the right direction of who I think is the best fit, fit, you know, fit for you. I'm not just going to drop you and be like, oh, no, this isn't going to work. Figure it out. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I'm going to try to point you in the direction of someone that I think is going to work for you. But generally speaking, integrity is definitely at the core of everything that I do. Like, well, that, that actually brings me to our second topic. Um, because integrity is very important. But what about unethical things and like having an ethical responsibility for the content that you create? Do you think that's important that you create content like that for social change? Or do you think a lot of people are just doing that just because? Do I think that people are... Being frivolously social. as, As an influencer and a content creator, because we do have platforms, like, do you feel like it is your responsibility to, like, because the way I read the question, or because I think Erin, you wrote this one, was when something, <laughs> so when something's going on in the world, for example, mm-hmm. um, like any type of social justice or like something within the black community, do you feel like you have to speak on it or like do something to help because you have a platform? 95% of the time, yes. Um, okay. The most recent thing that is viral right now in our community, I actually did not speak on publicly at all. Okay. That is a first for, for me. But generally speaking, that's honestly the reason why I created my podcast. Um, I wanted to talk about the heavy hitting topics that nobody was talking about. Um, and bring it to a podcast for millennials and maybe generations years, you know. I don't know if that's necessarily my audience. But so what, um, what kind of topics, like what kind of heavy hitter topics do you talk about on your podcast? The black struggle, mm. black okay. strife, black excellence. Um, because we often are very, you know, we're often portrayed in very negative lights um, socially on, on social media, even by ourselves like people within the community mind you mm-hmm. um so I, it's more so about hitting those topics that people don't want to discuss the baby mama drama let's let's dig deeper like that's literally the entire intention of my podcast is mm-hmm. to take those surface topics and dig deeper to the root of them because we can talk 50 50 splits all day right right you talk that all day but let's but get it all to comes the from like trauma at some point in your life <laughs> and why you view certain things the way you do and and it's crazy how we parallel each other because a lot of our podcast is like yeah we don't mind trending topics but we're not going to talk about it from a trending topic perspective right uh, we're not going to talk about oh carly russell got lost let's laugh at it then we're going to talk about the internal issues that's can afflicting we, can her we just like speak on that a little bit okay. like her situation <laughs> and i just want to know you guys 
because you know the internet's be internetting. Mm-hmm. And I heard it first from you, Aaron, how you said all of this happened over a guy, mm-hmm. right? Like apparently, according to the internet, um, from the internet, this is all alleged that her boyfriend was with a stripper or something, and she wanted to go missing to basically make him like feel how it would feel without her, and then it. It in turn affected her family, her, her future. Was like her future, she was a nurse. She got fired. Her parents were like crying on on the internet and kind of basically embarrassed them because she wasn't actually missing. So I want to know, like, what are y'all thoughts as far as like, well, be for you, like being a woman. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel like, or have you ever been in a situation where you feel like you were with someone who made you? do something super extreme out of your character in order for them to show that they cared about you. Yes, in high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I honestly, that's my general... That's my general... Grow thing. up is what she's saying. Yeah, yeah like... It was immature, yeah. It was very immature. It was very selfish. Um, but on the flip side of that... so. Do I think she should be held accountable? Absolutely. Like, I absolutely think she should be held accountable. On the flip side of that, what I don't like and what I didn't appreciate was how we as a community attacked her in the same exact way that the white community. Mm-hmm. I, I 100% agree. And, and we talked about that. Yeah, I feel like a lot of white people enjoyed seeing her broken publicly mm-hmm. from that situation. And they thrived in that. And I feel like it's okay to make a little joke every now and again because even I posted, you know, a little joke about it. Like yeah. the Tyra Banks, we all were rooting for you. Like I made a little joke about it, but deep down inside, once I started seeing like her cry in public and they had the cameras all in her face, that oh, was I didn't too even much see that. Me. Wow. Yeah, no. yeah, she was. It was too much for me. It was too much. And then seeing how black women, I mean, black people, kind of like co-signed the attack on her after that. I didn't like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say with the internet though, which is it is a downside. Whenever something goes viral or goes public, and it it's usually negative, that is uh, like a backlash you're gonna get. Is people basically making fun of you and it's like online bullying. So then it comes down to all right for your mental health. Like, what do you do? Like, do you stop being on the internet for a certain amount of time because it is gonna die down? Or do you read all of the negative comments, see all the memes, all the shares, and let it make you feel worse? Yeah, so I, that I do. Back to your your decision as well of like, all right, how am I going to handle this situation? I do think that was a, a bit of an anomaly. I don't think a lot of people are going to experience the level of the bullshit that she experienced, right? Um, but I, I was in a similar situation on the receiving end of a young lady doing like the most because of a relationship where she was threatening suicide and it's like you're gonna leave me i'm gonna kill myself you're gonna leave me i'm gonna kill myself and it's like damn like i I don't want you to kill yourself like i'm not trying to be insensitive Aaron, but like were there signs there because like yes she can say that but like did you truly feel like she was gonna do something to her historical trauma i wouldn't put it past her because she dealt with a lot of things in her life that you know talking to her and getting to know her it's like damn i i, I don't know if she would or wouldn't like I, I i care about her too much to let this happen to her so now i'm essentially guilted into this what if that man was guilted into like going above and beyond searching for this woman she that gets what she wants that is yeah. absolutely what happened <laughs> yeah that's what he said he did his family was out like yeah searching. so it's like that's that's what somebody seeks from you. They use their pain to create pain into you, and now all of a sudden, kind of sick though. Like that, that makes me think. All right, you need to seek therapy. Like as a family member of someone who's doing that, I'm gonna talk to you directly. Like you need to get help. Like and not even joking. Like dead mm-hmm. ass. Like here's BetterHelp.com. Find someone who you can talk to because that, like that's a serious situation where you're going through these lengths of making people feel like you're really capable of hurting yourself but the thing is i think they are though that's the problem and that's that's the crazy part even that's a toss-up for me and i know this is such a touchy topic but i feel like people like carly russell know that 
they lean into that fear like they lean into the fear that they create in other people and the idea that they may actually follow through with this even though they may actually have zero intention on following yeah. through that's that. kind of playing the victim card too right like mm-hmm. oh i know if i make them feel bad they're going to do this for me because like I get them to, to a point where they really think I'm gonna hurt myself or like something's mm-hmm. gonna happen to me. I can't really relate because like I, pro- I probably did that. No, I've never done that. Like I never felt like my integrity goes back to that conversation and my self worth was that low to where I wanted someone to feel pain that mm-hmm. I pushed put upon them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but speaking of the internet. I'm going I'm to do a quick little segue. Um, obviously, let's not act like we ain't all see the brawl, right? It was hilarious, right? I th- I th- Montgomery, Alabama. Um, obviously, it's hilarious. But I think what that taught us was that this it's a misnomer about black unity, right? A lot of people think, you know, black people are not unified. Black people can't come together for nothing. I actually think it's the furthest from the truth. Um, we... I'm from a I'm from an inner city in North, right? I didn't live there my whole life, but that's where I was born and raised. Every single block, every single ward, every single street, it's a set, it's a this, it's a that. If that don't show you how unified black people are, I think people really misunderstand what they're looking at. I think even going back to like Africa and like tribes and different things like that, black people are so micro unified that it almost makes it look like we can't get along. And Alabama showed us one thing. We might not like each other, but we ain't going to let y'all not like us. My mother always used to say, I don't care if y'all fight. Y'all let them beat you. Yeah, y'all better fight together. Nobody else touch Right? So it's like, like, all in all, what was y'all thoughts of the unification of the black folks in Alabama's, the chair wielders, the, the pool stompers? You know, tell me what y'all thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I got something about the pools, too. I personally, um, to come to the tail end of your statement, Mm -hmm. is you ready for this? I'm ready. I'm ready. (laughs) You might not like this. I hate that our unity came at the cost of violence, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's literally what I was thinking. I really, really, really hate that. Like, every time I saw that video, I smiled, but at the same time, I was like... I need this energy everywhere else across the board. Mm-hmm. I would really like to see this kind of unity where it counts and has very high impact. Right. Like in education, when it comes to financial institutions, financial and also literacy, with politics. I know a lot of our community don't vote because they feel like it doesn't count, but it doesn't count because we don't have our people in these positions. So, mm-hmm. yeah, of course we're not going to vote for someone that we don't like, but like who do we have to mm-hmm. represent us? Nobody. So, but what we saw was our people being galvanized, right? Mm-hmm. So, if not saying violence is the way that we're galvanized, but if we have a commonality, we'll come together. And it don't have to just be a fight, right? It could be laughter. Yep. Yeah, and we was on campus for that together. We saw how crazy it got when Barack Obama got elected, how how happy we were. Right? The the world rejoiced that day. I think the consistent consistency is missing because we'll do that when we really, really feel like, all right, we got to go out. Because I know people who haven't voted mm-hmm. their whole lives came mm-hmm. out to vote for Barack Obama. But why does it always just stop at one point and then it takes a couple of years for another big thing to happen for us to unify again? Like because, because what did Obama indicate? He indicated that there was hope there was a light at the end of the tunnel that you know it's a reason to come together i don't know if a lot of these causes bring that reason for a lot of people like well, a lot of our reason to come together mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. opinion i agree but we talk about everybody yeah that shouldn't be the cause for us to come together if anything the reality of our our current status as a community should be the reason why and hope is not in there anywhere yeah yeah but hope feels good it feels good, but we already know we have so many, like, 
things like roadblocks right like we have issues with getting loans from the bank we have issues in corporate america we we can only go so high we just talked about like being in a basement Mm -hmm. and that's like where they want to keep you so then it's like all right well how do we figure out what is the solution to that so we don't feel like that in these spaces i would say for me personally because i do work in um tech and, and corporate and all of that um this is like the first time that i have a black manager who's like in a very high position who i can talk to directly and that i know on like a friendship level and it feels good because we can have those day-to-day um work setting conversations but then after that we can go out for drinks we can meet each other's family and then have that personal level so if I, this is like the first time i've ever experienced that so i can I can kind of see why when it is on the flip side with white people why they feel so comfortable with their with their directors and their bosses and stuff and they get promoted and and other um spaces is because they built that personal relationship because it's someone who looks like them yeah yeah but we're gonna we're gonna have to call out white people for what was built right because a lot of it a lot of it was forced and a lot of it was bullshit so i know swimming is like this thing for black americans and this joke amongst white people but i was actually on twitter and i got some historical facts if you don't mind me reading real quick and i want y'all give me y'all perspective on some of this all right so public pools were common in american cities before the 1950s and most were officially whites only so when the Supreme Court declared segregated access to public amenities, such as pools, to be unconstitutional, cities circumvented integration by simply removing the amenities for everybody. In short, rather than integrate public pools, many cities decided to demolish them altogether. Subsequently, in the beginning of the 1960s, there was an explosion in popularity of backyard swimming pools, in which suburbs... Of course, most whites only due to restrictive covenants and exclusionary zoning. So in the name of racism and avoided integration, American cities effectively eliminated a public good and privatized it only for those who could afford it. So we look at this story of this young man jumping out of this boat, swimming in the pool to come to the rescue of another black man in peril. And it just reminds us of all the the shit that white people try to keep black people from just off the strength of them being black like we got private pools and backyards that people are doing everything in their mothers for to have um i want to spend thousands of dollars to get an indoor in ground pool or whatever it's called and it's built off of racism like a lot of this shit is built off of racism. I didn't even know that, so thank you for the fact. That's a great fact, dude. That, was, that was a great addition. You know, I'll be dropping the gems, you feel me? Deli yeah, gems with Aaron. It, it kind of it makes sense. <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> but um, it makes you wonder, like, damn, so the fact of, like, a lot of black people not being able to swim, I'm not saying, like, in today's society that is, but it could be, right? The reason why, like, it's still... Well, no, I feel like it's, like, a trickle-down effect. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's a trickle-down effect. We didn't have the resources then. That's why we couldn't swim. They were taking... The resources were taken away from us, right? That's why we didn't know how to swim. But, like I said, I feel like it's a trickle-down effect. If my mother was from born in that generation where all of that, those resources were cut off, Mm -hmm. then maybe she doesn't fine teaching me how to swim as important yes so my best friend um she is a swim instructor so she teaches like babies mainly like how to how to swim and stuff like that but a lot of the parents who come are white parents because they feel the need to like teach their child young like how to swim and for me like i didn't even know that was a thing until she was telling me like about the different um people who come to the pool or whatever but i'm like why are they spending so much money to get their babies swimming lessons but then it makes sense in the grand scheme of things of as they get older it's just an essential essential thing to know how to do is how to swim Mm -hmm. so like i get it now but like goes back to the conversation with my parents like i'm pretty sure they didn't think it was like that important and they also don't know how to swim but let's also talk about this too before we move on because particularly for black women Mm -hmm. think about the million times that whether it was us someone else we've heard 
you can get in the pool, but don't go in the deep end and don't go under the water because you just got your hair done or mm-hmm. I just straightened your hair or I just braided your hair. So that's like also a part of it too. Like it's it's part like it's partial resource, partial just culture. Like a mm-hmm. cultural. Because I still don't put my hair in the water. <laughs> <laughs> like the chlorine so, is not eating up my hair. Exactly. But mm-hmm. that's because like our hair texture is different. Like it will dry out really easily. And I'm not saying like you can't get your hair wet, but for the most part, that's not something you want to keep doing. It's right. like washing your hair constantly. So yeah, that's another that's another piece. Yeah, you know, I'm about to go on this cruise. I'm about to get my hair wet. You know, this shit is I'm porous, according to my niece. I don't know what that means. So I'll just be absorbing shrinkage, all that shit. But um, it's it's just it's. I know we don't want to talk about the violence and everything. Like we can't even put it on TikTok. But it's it's real important to know. Like black people will overcome things, even things that you wouldn't imagine in a million years. Like I've never in my life seen nobody swim to a fight. Um, and it was it was be- it was beautiful to watch, not just because not just because he kept it was the reason why. It was the unity you know? because yeah. and it you know what else too? So when I first saw this video go viral, I instantly felt like somebody died on the video. Like without mm-hmm. even watching it. I just kept seeing the video pop up, didn't even read the title. I, I think I saw like fight. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, here we go. Like I'm not because I try to avoid any mm-hmm. type of violent videos that go viral because like it always PTSD someone getting killed yeah so for a couple days I kept scrolling past it until I was listening to the breakfast club (laughs) and they were they were talking about it oh sorry you guys (laughs) (laughs) yeah no problem I'll just keep going um so they were talking about this video and they said it was a security guard who was basically doing his job and then he got beat up and then like a whole bunch of other black people came to the rescue to help him out so it was like a huge fight but it was comical so i'm like okay let me watch the video so from my point of view it's like it was nice to see just because it wasn't another video of somebody being murdered on camera and Mm -hmm. no one's doing anything I wasn't a fan of the cops, but I'm going to let it rock. I was a fan of the cops because they was with the shit. Excuse my French. But I feel like they almost were le- allowing them to let loose. They didn't pull out any weapons. Until, until the chair. Up the chair. Yeah. They, they were not stepping in until that man picked up the chair. And I'm not going to lie. That's the only issue, like, realistically, that I did see with the video. was like, come on, yeah. bro. Like, a nice she little push to the face would have yeah. been what a, what a She was on the ground and he was, like, really right. running with the chair. I, I, I'm not a fool, but um, something something to lighten up the mood. One thing I noticed about both of y'all is both of y'all enjoy cooking. Mm-hmm. Both of y'all enjoy just putting the presentations on the internet, making it look all pretty. Um, uh, tell me what after a long day of work or a long day of content creating, what does that mean for y'all? Like just just cooking. I'm just gonna be honest with y'all. So. <laughs> Y'all making me tell a lot of uncomfortable truths. Tell it. Um, I thoroughly enjoy cooking when I feel like cooking. Mm. I'm going to be very That's honest. Me. Yep. My man is the superior cook of the house. I cook well. <laughs> I cook well. I cook very well. And I know how to plate beautifully because I am, again. Oh, so that's what it is? I'm a creative, so I know how to plate presentation. Yes, I I definitely know how to plate it. Um, But in regards to like the consistent cooking in the house, it's my man. Like I cannot take the credit for the Monday Mm -hmm. through Sunday cooking. He's doing majority of it, and then when I feel like you know cooking, I'll be like, okay, I got dinner Mm -hmm. tonight, or I got breakfast today, or you know, don't worry about that. Turns, but for the most part, like he does that in the house, which I love. Mm -hmm. For Mm -hmm. me, because I do live alone, I cook probably two to three times out of the seven day week, just because when I am in the office. I am there until like 5, 5.30, and then I'll go to the gym, and then I don't get home until like 7.30 or 8 o'clock, and I'm not trying to make like a full course meal that late to get up early the next day and do the same exact thing. <laughs> so when it comes down to cooking, like you said, when I truly want to have a nice meal for myself or whoever I'm cooking for, then I'll like put the love and the care into it. Like I'll make sure everything like looks nice, and it tastes good, of course. So 
wouldn't see that, right? That's the arrogance. You see that? <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you guys, <laughs> say it like that. Chill out. But yeah, so but it's a, I think it's essential though for men and women. Like I don't even think this is a gender thing cuz yeah. this could be another gender conversation, but I think as a person and if you have children, you should know how to feed yourself and your family. Yeah, but it's something different about a mother's touch and a woman's soul. It just it just feels so much better from a at least uh, speak from men just eating that food is just like food prepared with love it just tastes better even if it's nasty it's like oh, it's acceptable like I, I remember I remember no no it was this one story I don't remember who said it he was like you know um, his son had ate some of the food that his mother cooked and he was like dad you ain't taste that food that food was trash that food was nasty like why are you eating that why you ain't say nothing like why you ain't tell her that that food was nasty he was like son your mother cooks for me seven days out of the week um i eat her food every single day she works every single day she comes home she makes sure that i'm fed she makes sure that i, I go to bed happy she makes sure i wake up happy am i supposed to come out of my face and tell her out of all the the love and care that she gives me that this food was nasty that'll break her heart yeah you gotta show appreciation you know she still like took the time to prepare so like even if things aren't perfect like that's what love is like love is accepting like it ain't always gonna be a hundred percent like you could deal with a 45 percent every once in a while but damn like you know we gotta but no guys we are we are getting to time so before we get out of here we do have a segment b called our happy hour moment and it's basically a moment that we want to share that we're excited about or something that we're working on that we want to come to fruition. So for you, what would be your happy hour? My happy hour moment. Um, I was originally enrolled into a horticulture program at St. Joseph's University. Um, I'm very much into plant life that kind of thing mm -hmm. um but my big goal like long term is definitely to own a cannabis farm Ooh. and i'm actually changing my programs to better suit like my end game you know because obviously i have over 125 plants i know enough about plants okay i don't you know i don't need more plants i don't need more yeah. plant knowledge mm -hmm. i need to put the money into like the bigger goals so mm -hmm. right. i decided to change my program and i'm very excited about that because i feel like it's one step closer to the bigger picture. well you got dana's support because she loves it <laughs> yeah. now i'm messing <laughs> <laughs> you really gotta chill out <laughs> i love plants because i'm a plant mom as well i have a money tree um yeah so that's dope though like hopefully that comes to fruition definitely later it will it but will. It oh, sounds okay. like, yeah, you're on the right path and you're doing all the things that you need to do for that to come true sooner than later. So, love that for you. Uh, Aaron, what about you? So, for my happy hour moment, I have this manifestation journal. Um, now, she actually bought uh, myself and her one. Uh, we bought it like a year ago. And I just haven't had a chance to just put my time into it and really just put things onto paper manifest just positive goals for my what life is a manifestation journey yeah hold it closer like hold it closer so that people can see it so like, what are the questions inside all right so for instance like goal setting bucket list it's, it's like an open-ended dialogue it gives you some affirmations gratitude different things like that yeah. um it was a valentine's day gift um she got us both one so it's just a matter of just really internalizing and you know bettering myself better us better in life for our child so um i'm really really looking forward to actually doing it because it's been far too long for me to actually get into it nori brought it to me this afternoon and she just gave her hers and gave me mine i, was, I said it must be a sign so that's my happy hour moment Look at you watching the signs. Yeah. Journaling. Okay, journaling. Yes. I'll be trying. Um, I would say for me, my happy hour moment. So I started this tradition last year. I have a younger cousin. She lives in New York. She's about to be 18. And this started last year where I picked her up and just had her spend time with me for the summer and just show her different things that she doesn't normally get to do in the city. So last year we went to the beach, we went to a circus, um, we got our nails done, 
which she gets her nails done but it's nice to just have someone there to do it with because she doesn't really have a mother figure in her life to focus on the conversation but this week we just confirmed doing that at the end of the month so she's gonna come spend some time with me so i'm excited about that and just like reconnect because i feel like moments like that like you remember stuff like that the older you get you remember people who played vital parts in your life and the fact that she's about to be 18 like that's a huge moment so um it's always nice to just have like little conversations with her just to see where she's at mentally how things are going with like just like friends and stuff like that and give her advice from my point of view so i'm excited for that as we are for you i love that bring it to the podcast Bring it to the podcast. Maybe if we're recording around that time. No problem. But um, I'm gonna connect you with my friend Anika. She was on the podcast, so she's also like big on plants and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we are a big family here in this. Uh, we outside after work podcast family. And if anybody wants to join the family, you like I did that, you like that. <laughs> um, make sure you Gmail us at woawpod at gmail dot com so you can join this seat um, and you can get to know us and you can have some fun with us like B had some fun with us today yes, um, exactly. thank you so much thank y'all for having me it's I only know dope people Dana I'm telling you we're gonna put all your links and stuff in mm-hmm. our description so people can check out your stuff as well your podcast and all the great things that you have going on mm-hmm. but guys we are at the end so thank you for tuning in and watching us and we will catch you on the next episode and with that being said that being said we outside and we out Thank she act like she don't know what to do no more. Like now nah, I'm in social. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.